I woke up and I had a bad dream. And that dream was that Mr. Cosby would do this to somebody else if I did not say or tell someone. So I woke up crying and I said, Mom, Mr. Cosby drugged me and he sexually violated me. And she was so caught off guard. Mom, he said he's a bastard. And I said, Andrea, who are you talking about? She said, Mom, he drugged me and he raped me. I said, who? She said, Bill Cosby. This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes. But let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. It was only later that we learned Bill Cosby had been leading a double life. Cultivating friendships with young women by promising them mentorship and connections. For nearly half a century, he groomed them and their families, building relationships and gaining their trust before drugging and sexually assaulting them. Hello and welcome to Real Crime Profile. This is Jim Clemente, retired FBI profiler, former New York City prosecutor and writer-producer of CBS's Criminal Minds. And with me today is... Laura Richards, criminal behavioral analyst, former New Scotland Yard and founder of Paladin National Advocacy Service. And I'm Lisa Zambetti. I'm the casting director for CBS's Criminal Minds. And with us today is a very special guest talking about a very special and disturbing podcast. 
This is Nikki Wisensi Egan, and I'm the host and an executive producer of Chasing Cosby and an author of the book of the same name. Well, it's so great to have you. Thank you so much. And it's clear you did a tremendous amount of great work exposing something that we thought we knew about. But the mm-hmm. detail that your podcast goes into and your reporting goes into, it's just phenomenal and maddening. I mean, incredibly maddening that this was allowed to happen for decades and decades. And Nikki, what I, I was interested to see that even as, as recently as last week, there was a posting from a listener who had listened to your podcast who was coming forward as, as a victim, basically and she's not been identified yet, there is still more people out there that we don't know about that was, that, who were victimized by Bill Cosby. Yeah, well, Frank said that he bought five or six models a week to meet him at a particular time. It's just unbelievable. It is. And I think there are probably hundreds of victims out there who haven't come forward because each woman who came forward seems to know um, a few others that contacted them after they came forward who were victims. And his first known one is from 1965. So you're talking about decades of this. And I first started trying to report this and was reporting this in 2005 and nobody wanted to hear it. I mean, there were 14 other women accusing him back then. And I got attacked by everybody from the prosecutor to the media um, because people just did not want to believe it. Right. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about Bruce Castor. Yeah. Because, I I mean, first of all, Nikki, just to say what you have done is incredible. It really is deeply disturbing and deeply harrowing. And I have to say, I thought I understood the Cosby case and listening to the podcast, but also you're the author of the book. You're an award-winning journalist. And you've shown real tenaciousness. You were so determined and dogged where other people just didn't want to expose what was going on. And it just really struck me with Bruce Castor, who was the DA, the fact that you were talking on a radio show and he just called up unsolicited and sort of challenged you. I just wonder if you can say something about what was going on with him why you think he was so close-minded about prosecuting Bill Cosby. What were the dynamics at play? I have to say, I was really surprised by his behavior even back then because I had covered him for years and he was a very aggressive prosecutor who was not afraid to take on a high profile case. And he had he had gotten convictions on murders where he didn't even have a murder weapon. He had the imprint of a gun and a holster. He had handled drug facilitated sexual assault cases. I quoted him in my book. I found a story I wrote. I'd forgotten about it where he says, you know, giving a woman a drug before sexually assaulting her is the same as using a weapon. I'd spent the last 18 months digging into this state trooper who was sexually assaulting women on duty. And all of them were either teenagers or adult women who had never come forward before one came forward and then more came forward. So this is all laying the groundwork for the Bill Cosby case coming up. And he clearly wanted nothing to do with it from the beginning. I I still try to figure that out to this day because he tries to claim that the press release he put out saying he wasn't going to charge Cosby in 2005 was actually an immunity agreement to never charge Cosby. What? Um, Yes. Yes. I mean, truth is stranger than fiction in this case. Shades of Mr. Epstein. Epstein. Exactly. Unbelievable. Um, You know, and he was bullying me. He was actually telling other reporters he could have me arrested for my stories because I wrote a story about what he kept calling illegal wiretaps, which were these recorded phone calls 
Andrea's mother taped with Bill Cosby. And he even, I found out recently through paperwork, he even had his first assistant check to see if these phone calls were legal or not. And she came and told him in 2005, yes, they're legal. Yet he kept referring to them as illegal wiretaps and and threatening to arrest me. It's law school 101. If you make a call into a jurisdiction that allows you to do that, you have set yourself up for it. You're not breaking the law by following the laws in your state. That's just, or your country. It's really ignorant for him to say that. But like you said, it seems like he made his mind up before he even got the facts of the case. It's true. And there were, like I said, there were 14 women total who came forward in 2005. His office didn't even bother to interview most of them. And when he made his decision and wrote this press release, he later called an immunity agreement um, and announced his decision. Um, His detectives were still in the middle of their investigation. They were blindsided by it. They had just met that morning and come up with a list of leads to follow. And let me add, when this case was reopened in 2015, they spent five months on it. He barely put four weeks into it. The statement that he made was something like he didn't want to charge someone for making a mistake or doing something foolish. Which, of course, when we're talking about drug-assisted rape, when even the president came out, Obama at the time, to say if you give someone a drug and then you force sex upon them and they're not even able to consent, then it's rape. And I think this muddying the waters about what it is, it has been a, a real problem and it just lays the groundwork for someone like Bill Cosby, who seems to have controlled the narrative the whole way through like the Epsteins and like the Weinsteins, and we have this controlling the narrative, and then you have officials who are doing their bidding. And it just made my skin crawl when I heard um, him even come on the radio show and and challenge you when it's unsolicited. I've not heard of that before. I think normally you book your guests or you have a radio show where you have a number of people with opposing views maybe, but he seemed to take this on a very personal level. And even what he said about Andrea... And what had happened, he twisted the narrative again. And I'm just curious. And yes, I'd love to speak to him, Jim, and and have him on as to why he would make those decisions. Because surely the, the public protections, women's safety is the most important thing here. Right. And he said there was not enough admissible evidence because he was still claiming these these phone calls um, were illegal wiretaps, even though they weren't. Um, him, by the way, just as a backstory, he and the host of that radio show were very good friends. So that was another reason I think he felt comfortable just calling in. Right. And he was very uh, upset because I had gotten an exclusive cover story with Tamara Green, the second accuser to come forward, the California attorney who, as you learned, got skewered by everybody when she did. And she had said that Cast, she was reading between the lines that Castor called the case weak at his press conference. He pretty much said everything but that. But yeah, he really, he wanted nothing to do with this back then. He did get sued for defamation by Andrea Constand and they settled out of court. So they won and he got sued by, I think that was the only one. Yeah. So he settled out of court for that. So he tried to counter sue her, but the judge threw it out because there was nothing in it. Like the, the few months before the second trial, he all of a sudden filed a defamation lawsuit against Andrea and her attorneys. It was a clear right. attempt to taint the jury pool and it got thrown out because there was no legal basis for it. Wow. Well, good so for Andrea of pursuing it. Right. I mean, what happened is during the DA's race in the fall of 2015, he made these disparaging remarks about her on social media. And what was so amazing to me in 2005 is the first press release he put out in 2005, it was four paragraphs. And in it, he made um, like a slam against Andrea, because he basically said he's looking into whether charges should be filed against 
Cosby or anyone else. And then, and, and he disparaged her again in the press release announcing the decision. And he didn't even let Andrea's attorneys know that he had decided not to prosecute Cosby. Right. They found out when the media showed up in their door and then they were frantic trying to find Andrea to let her know. So all the media had released her name without her permission or her consent. And it's interesting because I see Harvey Levin is sort of getting, uh, catching a lot of flack for the Kobe Bryant stuff. Well, he was the one running Celebrity Justice in 2005, and he was basically Cosby's mouthpiece. And whatever Cosby said, he printed about Andrea. I mean, that's just the way he behaves. He just doesn't seem to have any kind of real standards for what he because I, I write a lot in the book about how victims or sexual assault victims, every bad thing they've ever done in their life is used to taint them in the media because they can't get it in court anymore because of rape shield laws. So now they leak it to the media. And I wrote, I said, well, so what, do you have to be the perfect victim to be believed as a sexual assault victim? You can't mm. even have bounced a check. But the ironic part is Andrea was that perfect victim. She was 30 years old. There wasn't a skeleton in her closet. Not that that should have mattered anyway. So they made up lies about her, the Cosby team, and leaked it to the media, and the media ran with it. I mean, to this day, you you Googled her name, and you hear, you see con artist and this and that. And this was a woman with a pristine past. I mean, wow. there was literally nothing in her past to indicate that she would make up something like this. And they just set out to destroy her. So outrageous. And I always say, because I'm covering Weinstein at the moment, and I do my two cents every day at, at trial. But it's just very clear that it's always the victims that's asked the question, well, what did you do? Well, what did you say? Well, why did you call him? Or why did you see him? Or why, why, why? You know, and we have to ask our question as a society, how many women does it take that one man did something, you know, 60, 80, 100, and yet there are still those seeds of doubt. There are still those people. I was looking at Bill Cosby's Instagram today. I don't know if you've had a look on there, but he or his spokesperson, his publicist, Andrew Wyatt, is still very active. And they are putting messages out there regularly, literally every few weeks. And it's all about he's not finished yet. And now it's about his appeal. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You hear that? Your dog knows. Spring is coming sooner than you think. But the warmer weather also means that fleas and ticks are coming back. Fleas are an itchy nuisance and can easily get into your home, furniture, and beds, which can be terrible. Ticks are even worse. They're hard to spot but can carry disease and get your dog really sick. Pet Med's pharmacists connect directly with your vet to save you time and deliver the best flea and tick products for your pet. Pet Meds offers low prices on all flea and tick meds, including NexGuard, Simperica, and more. 
Visit PetMeds.com and use promo code PODCAST to save 40% on your first auto ship order. That's PetMeds.com promo code PODCAST for 40% off your first auto ship order. You know, I started playing basketball when I was about 13 years old. I played in just leagues around Toronto and eventually getting a scholarship to the University of Arizona. Here's Andrea's mom, Gianna Constand. Andrea was a very energetic child. She kept everybody on her toes. Very, very athletic. Always had a ball in her hand. Very truthful little girl, very sensitive, and always aiming to win at everything that she did. Maybe we'll start at the beginning, because I'm just curious for, for you. I mean, you're a veteran crime reporter, um, seasoned, and you've covered a lot of stories and a lot of cases. And I just wondered what really stood out to you about, I mean, you've been chasing him and writing this story for a long time and continuing. What were the real standout moments for you? 15 years, believe it or not. I can't believe it's been 15 years myself sometimes. The big moments for me, because it was very disillusioning, was in 2005. Normally when you do a big story, like I did, you get a second accuser like I did. You know, the media jumps in and they start finding other victims. So what you saw happen with Epstein when they finally started paying attention to it and, and Weinstein. It was the exact opposite here. Like Tamara Green went on these shows and she gets trashed. I go on these shows and the newscasters are trashing me and ABC had didn't even really cover the what was going on with it and then three months later they get an exclusive interview with Cosby and get inside one of his town halls and it was when I heard the phrase trading up which was giving up one story to get a better one because the bookers for the TV shows I was on were telling me how much pressure Cosby was putting on them to not have me on their shows it was making them insane to see me get on the shows talking about my stories and so what I was really surprised with was the way he could control the media, because I didn't expect that. I worked for a newspaper, and, and to this day I say there's no other news organization in the country that would have let me pursue this story in 2005 the way the Daily News did. Wow. I was fortunate enough to be working for a newspaper that never backed down to anyone in power. He was right, Marty Singer was regularly calling, threatening to sue us. He sent threatening letters. I was getting calls from him. Um, and I think what was truly shocking to me is I'd never seen this level of venom coming from somebody before. I covered investigative stories for years. I was investigating the Pennsylvania State Police and sexual misconduct. I was used to getting yelled at and screamed at by, by people for stories, but nothing like this before or since. Um, they really have the power to destroy you, and they will do it, and they well, will sleep well at night and not feel bad about it. Well, that's the shtick in the media. When you have somebody who literally can bring 20 million viewers to a TV show and sustain that for decades, that person is seen as an icon, as a god, and nobody wants to knock him down. And I think if you look at the things that he represented in media, in television and, and beyond, the fact that he was the first African-American actor to co-lead a TV show, I mean, that's, that's huge. The fact that he came into America's living rooms, 20 million strong every night, and he was America's dad. People didn't want to accept the fact that his real character was nothing like the character he created for those TV shows. And 
They really, I mean, hey, I was one of them. I yeah. was one of the people that loved Bill Cosby. He spoke at my father's 25th law school reunion, and along with Governor Cuomo and, and a federal judge. It was like these three iconic people, and they all gave amazing speeches. And of course, I looked up to him. I thought he was a good guy. And then when he starts doing these town halls and, and being this sort of moral icon or enforcer, it is the thing that ultimately undid him, but it was what he presented that everybody thought was true. And he's, he's, you know, he's a really unique celebrity in that he kind of brings all the generations together. Like I remember as a kid watching The Cosby Show and he appealed to me as a little kid. He appealed to my, my parents and even my grandparents because he had multi-generations on his show. So yeah, that's a very powerful icon when your entire family, every generation reveres him and looks up to him, loves his comedy or loves watching the cartoon, Fat Albert, eating Jello, everything. He kind of reached into our world with so many different fingers. Was he just as big, Laura, in the UK? Yeah, he was. I mean, I watched The Cosby Show. I grew up with that. And I agree. He just comes across on TV as this very wholesome, great, comedic timing and amazing character but I think that that's the conflict isn't it that he's a character on tv versus who he really is and was and I think Nikki you talked about it and I've certainly read lots of other people's accounts that in person I think you said he was kind of a jerk but I would say he was actually quite mean and nasty and quite sadistic at times and quite cruel so he had this kind of Jekyll and Hyde persona Right. And I guess so too was a fan. I write about this in the book and I talk about it in the podcast. I grew up watching Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids on Saturday morning cartoons with my brother. The Cosby Show debuted my senior year in high school after my brother died. It got me through a lot of very tough times. And I thought he was Cliff Huxtable. I mean, this the, the show rang true to me. Some of those moments between him and Theo were like ones my brother and my father went through. You know, so when this all broke in 2005, that's where I was coming from. I was like, my, my reaction was not the cause, you know, because that's what we called him in Philly. Yeah, the cause. And, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. But, I, but I knew, you know, my job as a reporter was to set my personal feelings aside and figure out what the truth was. And they weren't releasing the victim's name at that point, which is what the norm is with sexual assault victims. But I found out who it was from a source at Temple. And they told me her name, though we didn't use it till we had her permission as you were supposed to do in the media. And I quickly discovered she had a very stellar reputation at Temple. She was director of operations for the women's basketball team. They were all reeling over it because they said, "You, all we know is you think very carefully about saying anything about Bill Cosby and Temple before you say anything about that. She had been like one of the top basketball players in high school in Canada. She got recruited by 50 to 60 colleges in the US, ultimately choosing the University of Arizona. She wanted to play basketball professionally, so she went to Italy after college and played there for 18 months. And when all of that was not going to happen for her, she, Dawn Staley came and recruited her to Temple. And that's how she met Cosby. He was on the board of trustees at Temple. He was friends with Dawn Staley, her boss. He showed up. He did commercials for the women's basketball team on Comcast back when it was local. And that's how they met. A donor introduced them, and he called her, and he sought her out. And he would later say in his deposition which, as I talk, very Ellen O'Toole, your former colleague, Jim, um, mm -hmm. has written a lot about icon intimidation and how that works in these cases. 
and it's a very methodical predator versus prey, the way he stalks these women and he reels them in and he gains their trust, he gains their family's trust, and then he drugs them and then strikes when they're helpless and can't defend themselves. And then he either sets out to destroy them or he drops them like a hot potato. And right. that's what happened. I mean, he had his eye on her romantically, he said in his own deposition from the minute he met her. But she didn't. I mean, he was 37 years older than her, I think, maybe 36. Oh. He was a grandfather figure to her. And she she was very naive. Even though she was about 29 years old when she met him, she, she was very naive. I mean, she, her whole life had been basketball. And what, though it didn't come out at the time, though I knew it, she was also in a relationship with a woman at the time. So there's this whole other level there. And I remember going to her, because later they were okay with it being public. I was working on a profile of Andrea, um, Back then, I went to her lawyers and I said, well, why?" one of her, for, the former players said, you know Andrea is gay, right? I said, no, I didn't know that. So I went to her attorneys. I said, why don't you want this out there? I said, he's saying this is consensual because by that point, Cosby's people had leaked it to ABC. That What Cosby said happened between them was exactly what Andrea said, only he said it was consensual. And I said, he's saying it was consensual. Wouldn't it show that it wasn't? And I remember the lawyer saying to me, no, they'll just find some guy she dated in high school to say she's not really gay. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened 10 years later when it finally came out in some of the court documents. That's why it's just such a big breach of trust, isn't it? I mean, not just he's America's dad, so he has this public persona, but to all the women that he groomed and they all just trusted him. They all thought that everything he did was in their best interest. And that to me says so much when you've got someone who takes pills three times and doesn't even think that it's something that he is giving her that renders her almost unconscious. And I think that says a lot about how he is so convincing. Whether you hydrate to live or live to hydrate, Liquid IV quenches your thirst faster than water alone with three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink plus eight vitamins and nutrients for everyday wellness, all in a single sugar-free stick. Liquid IV is perfect for daily use before a workout, when you feel run down, after a long night out, or on long flights. Basically, anytime you need a pick-me-up, however you hydrate. Grab your Liquid IV Hydration Multiplier Sugar-Free in bulk nationwide at Costco, or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code WONDERY at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today, using promo code WONDERY at liquidiv.com. What if everyone at work were an expert communicator? What if every doc, message, and email they wrote was perfectly clear and concise? Inbox numbers would drop, customer satisfaction scores would rise, and everyone would be more productive. That's what happens when you give Grammarly to your entire team. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that understands your business and can transform it through better communication. Companies that use Grammarly save an average of 19 days per employee per year. That's because with Grammarly's AI, what used to take a few hours only takes a few clicks, like generating an instant first draft in your company voice or tailoring a message to your specific audience and goals. And Grammarly's personalized on-brand writing help is built in everywhere your team works, across 500,000 apps and websites. Plus, it's safe, secure, and already IT-approved. 
Join 70,000 teams who trust Grammarly with their words and their data. Learn more at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said, done. Spanish fly was the thing that all boys uh, at, from age 11 on up to death, <laughs> we will still be searching for Spanish flies. Right. And 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 what was the old the old story was if you took a little in. drop no, it was on the head of a pin. Pin. That's right. Drop and you it, put it in, in a Coca-Cola. Don't Cut. matter. It doesn't make it and the girl would drink it and, and she sure Hello America. <laughs> There he is on CNN, wasn't it, a 1991 interview, publicly saying, you see women at a party, put something in their drink, put drugs in their drink, and hello America. I mean, he said that on a public platform. It was in the 1960s, the Spanish fly routine that was in his, you know, his routines back in the 1960s as well. And what the pattern that came out that really emerged is like, he went to these modeling agencies and said, I want to mentor so-and-so. The agents would then go to their clients and say, Bill Cosby wants to mentor you. And then he would talk to them. Then he would talk to their parents. Many of them were in their teens or just barely out of their teens. And then he would set up for them to meet him somewhere. And then when he got in an environment he controlled, he would drug them. And right. it wiped out their memories. So many of them explore this more in my book than we do in the podcast about how dangerous it is to drug somebody without their knowledge or consent. Because Andrea's mother said, why didn't you call 911? How did you know she was going to wake up? How do you know that person isn't allergic to the drug you're giving them? Mm-hmm. How do you know it won't interact with the drug you gave and them? And he didn't deny it. He didn't deny that she, when she said she could have died. And he didn't step in and say, no, 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 that couldn't have happened. And he still hid what he gave her. But I have to say, and Lori, you just picked up on it. I was so happy so early on your podcast to hear the word grooming. Because this is something that now has been become part of the lexicon. People are using it more which is really important. It isn't just him, although there are cases where he did attack somebody very quickly, like that young girl, I believe in Vegas, that was just a horrific series of events. But the fact that he would have this patience to groom these girls and their families. And their parents. And the community. He did it perfectly. I mean, Jerry Sandusky-like, but Jerry was in football, what Bill was in, in, just in the whole world. I mean, Bill was much bigger. He was much more of an icon. And the fact is that what people don't understand is that what grooming does is it controls the victims because, again, it makes them more vulnerable. It puts them in a position where they can, their trust can be violated. And it also has sort of a debt of gratitude built into it. It's like, wait, you're helping with my career. You're being a mentor. You're being somebody I can look up to, but you're flipping it on me. And now how much of that is my fault? Why did I let myself get in this position? And I saw it with in, in Brave Miss World where Lenore um, thought she blamed herself for getting in the car with this guy and driving with him. And what she wasn't even thinking about was he was her security guy and guide for two weeks before that. And he built up her, his, her trust in him for weeks. And when I actually kind of laid that out for her, it was an epiphany because she was still blaming herself. And I see this so often, and Laura does too, and I'm sure Lisa does as well, where victims, because they're groomed, it's such an insidious tool 
that it actually undermines your ability to come forward even more. Well, think about it too. It's it could serve a separate purpose too to groom the families because, you know, when a sexual assault victim is deciding whether or not to come forward, who do you think they go to first to mm-hmm. try to assess their reaction to the news? They'll go to their mom or their dad or a, you know a family member. And so many of these women, um, the first woman who testified at the second trial, she did go to her mom about it, but her mom admitted on the stand, you know, I didn't want to hear it. You know, luckily, mm-hmm. Gianna Constan was a mama bear and she believed her daughter and she just, but what if she hadn't? What if Andrea had been having these nightmares for a year since it happened? And in these nightmares, she was waking up screaming. And in these nightmares, so a woman was getting sexually assaulted in front of her and it was her fault because she hadn't come forward and hadn't spoken out. So that morning she woke up sobbing from another nightmare and she called her mom who was on her way to work and she blurted out, Bill Cosby drugged and sexually assaulted me. If her mother hadn't been supportive and immediately believed her, what would have happened? I think Andrea might have still found the strength to go to the police. She's that type of person. But so many victims, when they try to come forward, they go to a family member and he insulates himself in a way by grooming the families because they don't want to believe it either. There was just so many of them, there was this disconnect. I mean, why would America's dad drug me? There'd never been a whisper of scandal attached to him other than the one about his maybe daughter blackmailing him um, that he got arrested, Autumn Jackson. That was it. I mean, there had never, although as I found out through my own research and stuff, many people in Hollywood knew he was doing this for decades and nobody said a word. Law enforcement, he had wrapped around his little finger as well. So there were a lot of people who knew, but just didn't say anything. But I didn't know. And there were many in the media who knew and did nothing. So, and I always say too, like, With Epstein and Weinstein, I think it's much easier for people to believe those men are capable of those crimes because most of us have never heard of them before the allegations come public. But with Bill Cosby, so many of us thought we knew him. And there's still a lot of people who do not want to let go of that. But what's encouraging to me is seeing the reaction the podcast is getting because uh, so many times when it, and maybe it's just because it's audio, it's helping. But you see when the women go on TV, you'll see these comments like, oh, they're old. They're ugly. Why would you do that? Right. right? All these comments so about angry. their appearances and this and that, and just hearing their voices. And I think you can really hear the pain in their voices. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's so very powerful. Visceral. Yeah. It's tough to listen to. And I think yeah. what the podcast does so brilliantly is to bring all those voices together because on one on their own, you know, and that's the key with all these cases. I mean, every case I work, if a sex offender or an abuser hasn't been brought to account, then guess what? They just do it again. And so whatever we see when I was in law enforcement or even now the work that I do is always tip of the iceberg. But so many are so busy questioning the victims, what they did, what they didn't do. Are they credible? They're too old. They're too this. They're too... And so we take Bill Cosby out of the conversation. We take John Meehan out. We take Weinstein. And I always say the first disclosure is so important in, in every situation. And you said, and we always know that victims will tell family and friends first. And what they then do next is the biggest gateway, actually, to whether they then report it or whether they don't. So educating and raising awareness for everybody is important. And the one thing that really struck me, well, actually, there were multiple points in the podcast, but I think Tamara Green, when she talks and said what happened to her, and she tries to throw the the lamp at the window, and she knows that she's been sexually assaulted, but she goes to the hospital to see her brother who's dying and Bill Cosby had just visited and given him a radio and mum saying what a wonderful guy he is and everyone's waxing lyrical about him. And so that acts as a, 
you know, closes her down. She's not able to then say, and that again, his celebrity, his yeah. do-gooding image, like going out, giving, you know, going to t- hospitals where terminally ill kids are, what he's doing and what he's doing behind closed doors is not congruent, but it also shuts people down so that they have to keep the secret, which must be so conflicting. Well, he had another thing, which I was amazed when I saw him do this. So in, in 2005, after the DA decided not to press charges, he goes back and he starts doing his town halls and his comedy shows. And at the, his first comedy show after that, and he gives his one and only interview, print interview to the National Enquirer, which we later found out is they killed their interview with Beth Ferrier, who became Jane Doe number five in the lawsuit to get the exclusive with Cosby. So he makes a drug about, it makes a joke about drugging a woman's drink at this routine. Oh. And I found out, I did a story about it because I found out through interviewing the National Enquirer spokesman about the Cosby interview. And he's like, oh yeah, I was just at this, uh, this comedy show of his too. And he made a joke about drugging a woman. So I did a whole story about it and you know, nobody, nobody cared, you know? And then 10 years later, after the allegations, you know, go crazy again in 2014 and he's on the road again in 2015. One of the first shows, he makes a joke about drugging a woman's drink. So that seemed to be part of, and of course, then all the media's on it then and they all go crazy writing about it. It seemed to be part of his shtick though. Let's make a joke about it. Let's put it out there, but let's, let's make it a joke, you know, to try to insulate himself even more from anyone who might be believing these allegations. And also to normalize the behavior. This is a very insidious thing that many offenders do. If you have the opportunity to get people to accept it, if you look at the rock opera, Tommy, there's a scene in it where basically Uncle Ernie takes little 10-year-old Tommy into the bathroom, turns the light off, and then sings a song, Diddle About. Mm. Now, when I saw that when I was a teenager, I was like, what? This is, ew. And then I thought, well, you know, it's sex and drugs and rock and roll. I guess they were just trying to push the envelope. But if you look at who wrote that, Peter Townsend. He was later arrested for collecting child pornography. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. What he was trying that. to do was normalize the behavior, put it out there, stick it in there in this amazingly great movie that's going to be touted all over the world. And when people don't say anything, then it's kind of okay to do it. And I think that's exactly what he was doing with Spanish Fly and with that joke, be careful if you drink around me, you know. But then you talk about people who helped him what about his doctor who also told his friend, I told you, don't be alone with him. <laughs> he knew. Dr. Amar, yeah, who was a gynecologist, by the way, but was prescribing him quaaludes for back pain. <laughs> well, Nikki, we have so much more to talk about. We're deep into your podcast, Chasing Cosby, but there are so many victims and there's so much to talk about. We can't wait to have you back next week. Till next time. Thank you for listening to Real Crime Profile. If you like deeper analysis like this episode on topics like making a murderer, Mindhunter, Escape at Danamora. The case of Sally Challen, the teacher's pet, Lynette Dawson, the exonerated five in When They See Us, and the disappearance of Madeline McCann, you can listen to RCP on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever platform you listen to us on. And please be sure, if you like what we do, to give us a five-star review. Thank you for listening to Real Crime Profile. Real Crime Profile is produced and edited by Paul Francis Sullivan. Sound engineering by Mike Thal. Music is composed by Simba Tsumba. Logo art by Jim Clementi. Real Crime Profile is produced by XG Productions and distributed by Wondery. 
For advice and support if you're experiencing stalking in the UK, you can contact Paladin National Stalking Advocacy Service on 0203 866 4107 or you can go to the website where there's a lot of information and advice that you can follow on www.paladinservice.co.uk If you're experiencing domestic abuse, you can call the National Domestic Violence Helpline for free on 0800-2000-247. In the US, if you're experiencing domestic abuse and need advice, shelter or counselling, you can call Genesis, the 24-hour hotline, on 214-946-4357. You can also go to their website for further advice or support, www.genesisshelter.org. And there's the Domestic Violence Hotline on 800-799-7233. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Real Crime Profile ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. The wait is over. So far, you're not losing. The only thing you're losing is my patience. Quickly, I see that. Bing! The queen of the courtroom is back. I didn't do anything. You wouldn't know the truth if it came up and slapped you in the face. I see he's not intimidated by anything. I can fix that. New cases. She wanted to fight me. Leave her alone. Okay, so, um... Not, this is not a so. This is a period. Classic Judy. Did you sleep with her? Yes, Your Honor. You married his cousin. His brother. That's not him. Yes, ma'am. I would make a beeline for the door. The Emmy Award-winning series returns. How did I know that? I have crystal ball in my head. It's an all-new season. It's streaming. You can say anything. <laughs> Judy Justice, only on Freebie.